ignoring me. Picks up the rice and the Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Forty on nine seventy WDAY AM and ninety three point one FM. Good afternoon, Natil. How are you? Doing pretty good today. It's a little muggy out. I don't care for mugginess. My hair gets real poofy. Yeah, we're coming into muggy season. I don't don't appreciate muggy season, although we've got a cold front moving in through the metro area down here come the rest of this week. It's going to be like down in the 70s. Yeah, it's that's kind of where we're at here in Minot today. So, yeah. I, and it's it's kind of a relief. This that's the temperature I uh that's about the temperature I like. I don't like this 80s and 90s stuff. I like 70s. It's yeah, good once, for me. Yeah, once start hitting 80, I start to get a little bit uh too warm. It's just it's not comfortable anymore. We are going to have Jason Flores on from Americans for Prosperity North Dakota. They have a federal policy summit coming up next week. We'll talk with him uh, about that, Congressman Kevin Kramer, uh, who by the way will be on the show tomorrow for his regular uh, segment. Uh, he'll be uh, he'll be appearing at that event, so we'll talk with him all about that coming up a little bit later in the program. Uh, right now, I, I want to talk about something I wrote today um, on the blog, which uh, last week we had that incident in the in the Walmart parking lot uh, with the woman screaming death threats at the three Somali women. Uh, it was an ugly situation um, that the Somali women had called the other woman some names, and and the other woman. Uh, <laughs> told them to go back home and 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 shouted death threats at them. Ugly, ugly situation. You know, Fargo Police Chief David Todd brought them together, and it, and it looks like that smoothed over. But in my Sunday print column, I wrote that the incident would serve as a quote sort of bat signal for political opportunists opportunists eager to swoop in and use this anecdote as leverage. And lo and behold. Last night at the Fargo City Council meeting, Hakan Abdali, and I apologize if I'm butchering that name. That's my fault. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Hakan Abdali, uh, the head of the Afro-American Development Association of Fargo-Moorhead, uh, he said, I quote, the state and the city asking for how much it costs to have refugees in the community, while well, a sensible question from a financial standpoint, it has negatively impacted our image in the community. And it has also increased the number of hostile incidents against refugees. Now, I I heard that comment. I heard that comment, or I, I more likely I should say I read the comment, and it it left me feeling a little bit angry. And and honestly, I think Abdali should I think he should apologize for it. I think he crossed the line because the debate over refugee resettlement is it's difficult enough. I mean, there's a lot of strong emotions on both sides. There are people who get carried away on both sides. And it's 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 really unfortunate and it's really hard to have a level headed debate about this issue and to get at get get to a place where we can get the right information and make the right public policy decisions with regard to that situation without people throwing rhetorical bombs. And I think that's what he was doing. I think he was bomb throwing because listen to what he says. He says that the city, the state and the city asking for how much the cost of refugee resettlement is, I quote, has increased the number of hostile incidents against the refugees. So essentially what he's saying is we can't have that debate. We can't make that request for information because it increases hostility against refugees. Now, A, I think he's absolutely wrong. 
I think if anything, what increases hostility, and, and by the way, I'm not justifying the hostility. I'm not saying the, histil- the hostility is a good thing at all. But I, I think what makes people frustrated more than anything else is the constant stonewalling when people ask for information. Right? They're the sort of mealy-mouthed, working around, you know, we're not really going to give you any information. That sort of an attitude is what's driving people nuts, which is, which is pouring gas on the flames of this debate to begin with. So there's that. I, I, I think his premise is wrong to begin with. But secondly, this idea that, that even asking questions about the cost of a given public policy, this idea that it's somehow so inflammatory that it's, it's provoking hostile incidents, that it's provoking attacks, come on. What do you think? 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. What do you make of his comments? Because what, what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing is, is, is a deft political maneuver, right? It's, it's where he doesn't want to have this debate. He doesn't want to have this discussion. And so what he's going to do is, is brand it as inherently over the line. He's going to brand it as as inherently illegitimate. And then we don't have to have it. It, it, it just floors me. And, and we do this all the time in, in, in American politics, right? We do it all the time. Somebody tries to ask a pertinent policy question, and the response is, you're racist. Or the response is, you hate poor people. Or you hate immigrants. Or you hate old people. Whatever the policy is, that's the response. And the right does it too. You hate America. You hate you know patriotism or whatever. You don't want to make the country safer. Both sides do it, and it's wrong. I am tired of people trying to cast the quest for information about refugee resettlement because there are real impacts. There are impacts on the schools. There are impacts on law enforcement. There are impacts on all manner of social safety net programs. We need to understand what these impacts are. And we ask over and over again for this information, and we don't get it. We try at the state legislature to to produce legislation to study this issue, to try to understand it better. Which, by the way, the state has done, and when the state did it, it resulted in the state funding more English as a second language classes back in the early 2000s. When we try to do these things, that's the response we get. And I I wonder, what are are you so afraid of? What are you so afraid of that that, that we can't even talk about this? I mean, I, I I don't think there's some vast conspiracy out to hide something. I mean, at this point, it just seems like sort of ideological partisan intransigence. That's what it looks like. Just, we think you're wrong, we think you're racist, so we question your motivations on anything, so we're just not going to cooperate with you. That's what it comes off as to me. 701-293-9000, Caller, John, you're up. So, Rob, let me ask you a couple of key questions to see what, All right. I just want to feel you out and see what your answers are. You know, when it when it comes down to this debacle, is there a, is the nation twenty trillion dollars in debt? Yes, it is. Okay, are there 
kids who are born and raised in this country that don't get food every day. I imagine somewhere, yeah. Are there people in this country who have, were born here and lived here all their lives who can't get a job because where they live, there's no jobs? Yeah, and, and jo- I, I, I know I know the argument that, that you're going to make that, that we ought to we ought to fix the issues that are here in, the, in in America before we invite other people in. And I got to say, I reject your premise because what you're doing is setting up a situation whereby we can never allow immigration or we can never allow refugees into the country because you know what? We're never going to reach a point where somebody somewhere in America is not suffering, John. I think well, America and, and, overall, and we're, we're a right very, there. very prosperous place. We have room for refugees. We have room for immigrants. Not that this issue specifically is about immigrants. This is about refugees. But my point is, I think we can't accommodate these people. The only thing I want to do is I want to understand the costs. I want to make well, sure that the and, costs and are out there front and center so we understand. And, and this is where I'm going with this, Rob. You know, again, we're not going to, we're never going to get 100% perfection on anything we ask for. You know, that's just a reality. But when you have literally millions of people in this country who don't get enough to eat, who don't get enough employment, who don't have a standard of living that's that's, that's high enough to get them off of the various government assistance programs, that you continue to pile on in the name of, oh, well, we need diversity, we need culturalism, we we need to integrate more. You You can put it under any guise that you want to, but at a certain point, when you're so far in debt in this country you, and you can't fix the existing problems, well, what are we solving? All right. I understand your point, John. Thanks for the call. 701-293-9000, Email talk at wda.y.com. What do you think? Do you think it incre- talking about the cost of refugee resettlement increases hostile incidents against refugees? I want to hear it. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Porter on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. What do you think? That, that was the accusation uh, last night. A gentleman from the Afro-American Development Association of Fargo, Moorhead, uh, Hukun Ab- Abduli, and I apologize, I am absolutely butchering that name. That is my fault. I'm just not sure how to pronounce it. Uh, he said, essentially, that, that the, the state and the city asking for the cost of refugee resettlement are negatively impacting the image of refugees in the community and is increasing the number of hostile incidents against refugees. And my question for you is, do you agree? Because if you agree, I guess that means we can't have that discussion about that policy. We can't have that debate. Which, I'm sorry, in America, if if we're going to have government of the people, by the people, for the people, we've got to be able to have those debates. You can't just square off portions of public policy and say, oh, no, this area of spending, this area of budgeting, this area of taxation, this area of whatever the policy is can't be discussed because it's too uh, provocative. You can't do that. 
I want to hear what you think. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. I called on the blog for this guy to apologize. I think if he doesn't apologize, I think that we ought to consider how seriously we take him and his organization going forward when we're having these policy debates because, I mean, if, if that's where he's at, where, where he thinks it's illegitimate to even bring up the policy, how useful are his contributions to the debate, really? If you think it's racist to even discuss it, th- those are the people, I mean, not just on this issue locally, but across the nation. Those are the people we need to stop listening to. That's why we can't get anything done in Washington, D.C. That's why politics is an ongoing, never-ending dumpster fire. Because people like this, you start the debate and they just say, well, it's racist. You are inherently racist. So anything you have to say on the topic is illegitimate. I mean, that's what he's doing. And that is not helpful to finding a way forward on refugee resettlement in North Dakota and everywhere or any other political debate. So I don't know. I think when people start down that road, ignore them. Stop paying attention to them. They aren't contributing anything of value. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, Kevin emails Rob, a uh, checkout person, indicated that all the refugees are getting food stamps. Is that true? No. No, that's not true. Um, you know, I, I have no doubt that, that most of them. I mean, listen, we're talking about people who are coming from war-torn places who are coming to our communities with very, very limited resources and, of course, they're going to need some assistance when they get here, right? So I, I think Lutheran Social Services, I think there's a degree of assistance they get off the bat. Uh, they're certainly eligible for social safety net programs. And I would say that probably a disproportionate number of them, in fact, I know because I actually looked up the number numbers for Cass County, uh, and I don't have them at my fingertips right now, but I know that, that the refugee population represents a disproportionate number of people on the social welfare rolls. And so I don't know about food stamps specifically, but things like TANF, I mean, they're there. And, and it's real. And it's not surprising given their situations. Now, I, I, I think it's it's maybe more, um, I think it's more interesting going forward, uh, you know, generationally, like how long are they on? I think those are some measures we should look at. I, I don't think you could just look at the number who are on at any one given point. But that's my point. We don't have a lot of data about this. We don't have a lot of information available to us right now about refugee resettlement. We haven't done these studies about how long the refugees might be on social safety net programs, how long it might take them to get a job. We don't have that data. That's the problem. We can't get it. And when people start asking for it, they get accused of being racists. That's the problem. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Caller, Bob, you're up. Was this a refugee that brought this up at a meeting is, somewhere? I believe he is. I, I guess I don't know much about his personal background. He is the head of what's called the Afro-American Development Association uh, in Fargo-Moorhead. He, um, he, he is, I, I, I think he, he was. I think that's his background. I guess I don't want to say definitively. I'm not sure. Well, okay, we'll just say if, if he is, then this, this is a tactic that he learned. If he doesn't know our culture, if he's here new, 
somebody has educated him and indoctrinated him into using this tactic in order to just put a cloud over the whole issue so that we stay in the dark, we don't know what we're spending, and it doesn't matter if it's North Dakota, Minnesota, anywhere in the United States. You know, it's like inviting your, your cousin or something to your house because they've had a fire at, at their house. So you bring them into your house, and now they start dictating policy, and you say, well, I can't afford it. Well, you can't look at the numbers, Bob, because you're, you're going to help me out. You know, you got to look at the numbers, and it should have been done well before refugees were brought in, not after the fact. It's the cart before the horse. That's my opinion, Rob. I appreciate the call, Bob. 701-293-9000, We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Uh, we'll switch gears here a little bit. We're going to talk with Jason Flores of Americans for Prosperity North Dakota about their upcoming federal policy summit. Stay tuned. This is the Rob Report. Don't go away. I'm coming my way to North Carolina, staring up the road and pray to God I... Welcome back, Rob Report on 970 WDAY. 701-293-9000 if you want to join in, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, my next guest is uh, he's a local, I guess, regional representative of uh, Americans for Prosperity. They're a great uh, fiscally conservative organization. Uh, I like them a great deal. I think they do good work. Uh, Jason is, um, he works in both North Dakota and Minnesota for the organization. And coming up, Jason, you guys have a federal policy summit. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, this is a great event we're hosting in Fargo next week, Tuesday, August 8th, starting at 6 p.m. What we want to do with so much stuff going on in Washington, I mean, I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it. It feels like it's, you know, headlines about the administration or about all the stuff with health care last week. But there's so many policy items going on behind the scenes with action the administration is taking, with the conversation about tax reform that's starting to shape up now between the Trump administration and Congress. And, and what's next on health reform now that things seem to have stalled temporarily? These are all issues that are so important to North Dakota. So we wanted to bring people together, bring in some of our experts that follow this every day in Washington, D.C., that work in the halls of Congress, and then bring Congressman Kramer as well as North Dakota's representative to talk about what's going on with all these issues. So I, tell us, I mean, if, if, if people showing up to the event, what should they expect? Well, uh, number one, we're going to have dinner. So make sure you uh, come with an empty stomach and, and come have dinner with us. It's a great chance just to meet other folks in the Fargo area that care about these issues, that want to play a role, that want to learn more and have an impact on what our uh, Congress is doing on these issues. Then we're going to break it down and talk about some of the things that Americans for Prosperity is working on. You know, we have done a lot of work on tax reform already, making sure that this border adjustment tax wasn't a part of tax reform. We didn't need another tax hike on regular, everyday North Dakota families just to pay for a bunch of uh, corporate changes, right? So we were successful in taking that off the table. That was announced last week. But now what are we going to do next? What are we going to do to continue pulling back on regulations? You know, we had great success at the beginning of this administration, things that were great for North Dakota in rolling back things that the EPA was doing, rolling back federal mismanagement of uh, federal lands. But what's next? So we're going to hear from our experts, kind of get a 
Americans for Prosperity's take on what's going on in Washington. Then we're going to open it up to Congressman Kramer to get his thoughts. And part of that is going to be a conversation with, with me and, and our folks from D.C., but we also want to hear from people in Fargo. Come out, join us, listen to some of the, the things that we're talking about. We want to hear from you in terms of what do you think about those issues? What do you think this path forward should be on tax reform, on health care, on infrastructure spending? We're going to have some good give and take, both our experts and with Congressman Kramer, so you can make sure you get your voice heard, too. Well, that sounds interesting. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. I mean, it's, it, it seems like so much of this stuff is in flux. I mean, it's, it's really, really chaotic in Washington, D.C. right now for a number of reasons. We have sort of a, well, we have a, a presidential administration. Let's just put it kindly. It's a little different in their approach to policymaking. Um, we have Congress, which is, more polarized and more divided than ever before. I mean, what what sort of policy achievements are, are possible at this point? I mean, I, I think that's what's I, I think a lot of people are sort of looking at the political landscape right now and, and wondering what can we even really accomplish at this point? Well, I think tax reform is the next thing on the list. That's certainly our number one priority, given that health care is going to have to take a step back for a moment. We're going to have to find another path forward on that. I think tax reform is the most important thing that we can work on. We really have a historic opportunity right now with pro-freedom, pro-tax reform majorities, both in the House and Senate and in the White House, that we can move the ball forward. We just did a national event yesterday with Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, and he talked about that this is really what they view as a pass-fail type of a accomplishment for this administration. They want to get tax reform done. I think you see that in the negotiations that have already happened with the House and the Senate in terms of taking the border adjustment tax off the table, making sure that they're not going to put a new burden on everyday North Dakotans. So I think that's the number one thing that we can get done. But you're right, it is so tough to follow some of these issues right now because it seems like there's so many sideshows sometimes when it comes to press coverage of the administration. Many of the procedural things that they were doing with health care weren't kind of the normal procedures, the things that we're all used to following. So I think this is a great time for us to host this kind of a policy summit, really dig into the policy, dig into the issues, dig into how we're going to get this stuff done to give people in North Dakota that want to be helpful on it or that want to know what's going on. This is really a chance to, to get educated and get the tools you need to then take action. Does it cost anything to get into this event? Uh, no, this event is completely free. Uh, so we're providing the dinner. We're doing all the logistics for it bringing in our, our folks to, to talk about that agenda. Um, it's going to be a full dinner um, and a great chance, like I said, to meet people around the Fargo area who also care about these issues, who want us to find a way forward on these policy things. Well, I can't stress enough, this isn't, a, this isn't a political event. This isn't a Kramer event. This is a policy summit where we're talking about issues that matter to regular North Dakotans, issues that matter for our economy and the future of our country. And we're going to dig in. It's, it's going to be detailed. It's not going to be a CNN-style 30-second headline. We're going to dig into the nuts and bolts of what tax reform means for the country and how we can move it forward. And it's free dinner, which is not bad. And, and it's a free <laughs> dinner. I mean, I, I still fall for that myself and yeah. basically any time I'm offered. So at the very least, if you want to hear what Congressman Kramer has to say, if, you want to, if you've heard a little bit about Americans for Prosperity here in North Dakota, but you're not sure – what we stand for or kind of what the issues are that we work on, definitely join us at this event. Uh, come with an open mind and, and an open heart to hear what we have to say. 
and let's start a conversation in Fargo and in North Dakota about these federal issues and make sure that our voice is heard in Washington, D.C. Jason, thanks for your time. If, if people want to find out more, I mean, I know we certainly pumped the, uh, the the date and the time and location, but if people want to find, like, on Facebook or on, Facebook or on the web to get more information about the event, where do they go? Yeah, again, it's next Tuesday, August 8th. You can go online to our website, americansforprosperity.org. You can also visit our Facebook page, Americans for Prosperity North Dakota. All the information you need there, as well as the link to register. And, in fact, that link to register is ndpolicysummit.eventbrite.com. Sounds good. That's Jason Flores from Americans for Prosperity, uh, both North Dakota and Minnesota representative. Jason, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. More to Rob, come. Thanks for having me on. Ahead. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. More to come straight ahead on the Rob Report. 701-293-9000 if you want to join in. 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Reporter on 970 WDAY. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. We were talking earlier in the show about the the, the refugee question, and uh, there's a gentleman from, he, he was addressing the, the Fargo City Commission last night, and it was in the wake of that incident in the walmart parking lot you know and, and the death threats and 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 that that smoothed over i was so happy the way the fargo police chief david todd handled that that was wonderful it was nice to see people putting that aside but i warned in my sunday print column that opportunists were going to swoop in and use this and sure enough hooking uh Abdulli, and again i'm i'm butchering that name that's my fault i apologize head of the afro-american development association of fargo moorhead told fargo city commissioners that Talking about the cost of refugee resettlement increases the number of hostile incidents against refugees. And I'm sorry what he said is is wrong. I think he ought to apologize to it. I don't think that's conducive to the sort of debate that we want to have about refugee resettlement. But do you think I'm wrong? Do you think I'm right? I'd love to hear what you think. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Ben emails Rob. Though I don't agree with the suggestion that it's racist to ask tough questions, I think it's naive to think they don't cause ripples through the community. If you bring up funding for immigrants or refugees, some less enlightened members of the community only hear, think, see these people are taking money out of their pockets. Again, it's fair and important to ask these questions, but we should also focus on educating our own community as to how this directly affects them and maybe even how their tax dollars are spent overall. You know what? You know what? I, I would I would love Ben to have that debate, and and I I think you're absolutely right. I would like to be able to educate people about what the real costs of refugee resettlement are. What what are the real impacts? What are they? Let's measure them. Let's have an accurate accurate representation of them that we can all work off of when we're debating this policy, this situation going forward. Because there's nothing wrong with debating it. And I, I know what you said about, you know, the debate having a ripple effect. Listen, all debates have a ripple effect across the community. And, and ignorant people who hate other people because of their skin color or because of refugees or, or whatever, nativists or xenophobes or whatever you want to call them, those people are the way they are whether we have this debate or not. 
So we can't use their reactions to things as, you know, the hinge upon which, you know, whether or not we debate this swings. But but to the other issue, I would love to have that debate. I would love to have that information. The problem is it's being withheld. There is there is a political fight over even getting that information, over even measuring it, even studying it, even disseminating it. Look at the debate uh, before in, in the legislature earlier this year when Democrat lawmakers accused the lawmakers sponsoring a bill to study this issue of being motivated by being mean-spirited and motivated by bigotry. I mean, that happened. We're, we're at a point where we're not even allowed to get the information. We're not even allowed to measure the situation. And that I, I think that's wrong. And I, I think part of the reason is because of these accusations. Well, if you talk about this, you're it's racist. If you talk about this, we're going to increase the number of attacks against refugees. That is ridiculous. Do you think 701-293. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Natil. I was going to say, do you think that part of the reason that that argument comes up is because so many people on that side of the aisle are hearing the word cost as opposed to impact? Because cost implies that we're only going to be discussing the things that the refugee community are detracting from our budget, from our community, from our resources, whereas impact could also include yeah. the benefits that they're providing to the community because that's an important part of the equation. I, I, I agree. And I, 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 I understand I mean, that but, but to me, that, that, seems, but... that, seems, that seems trivial, and it's, it's semantics. I mean, that's how it seems to me. It seems trivial, it seems semantics. The, the reason why I think people talk about the cost is because pub- public policy exists to solve problems, right? We don't have to do anything in terms of public policy about the positive impacts, right? Like like, like the, the part where a lot of these refugees come and they enrich our communities culturally. They come and they get jobs. They start businesses, right? They create economic activity. We don't have that. Those aren't problems we have to solve. We don't need public policy for those things. Those are good things. We just leave those things alone. Right. So, so, so the area where we have a public policy debate and, and the reason I guess why politics can seem so negative all the time is because policy exists to address problems. And so if we're going to measure, yeah, I, I guess what we're looking for are problems. Are there things that we can fix? What are the costs? Because there is a cost and we should understand what it is and understand, you know, can we do better? Is the cost, you know, I, we, we have to understand it. I mean, it, to me, we cannot have a, an informed debate until we understand that. Caller, Steve, you're up. Rob, I've got a general question here, and I'll apologize ahead of time, but I'm the only one who doesn't know the answer. Sure. But in a nation where the most overused phrase is the separation of church and state, how did the Lutheran Church and the federal government ever get in bed together to start this whole mess? So my understanding is that the states used to run all of these programs. Um, the, the, and, and, and so what happened is, is, is the states, there was a, I, and I, I think it was the Wilson fish amendment. It's called, um, some time ago, I, I think maybe like in 2000 around there, uh, this legislation was passed and what it did is it allowed the states to opt out, but it, when they opt out, there would be a designated private sector, you know, NGO nonprofit essentially that would step in to facilitate the federal program. So the state of North Dakota essentially opted out of managing refugee resettlement in North Dakota, and Lutheran Social Services of North Dakota stepped in and essentially got that contract. 
Um, so that's how it came to be. Lutheran Social Service is, is one of um, many NGOs across the nation. In, in other states, it may be other organizations. Lutheran Social Service is just the organization that does it in North Dakota. Okay, I've never heard it explained. Thanks. And I just All like, right. you know, why doesn't the federal government just get the hell out and just let private organizations do it? You know, if my church has got a fundraiser to say we're going to bring in a few families, I'll throw an extra 50 in the offering plate. Get the government out of it. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think to, to, to some degree, because a lot of times you have refugees that are coming from war-torn areas. You have national security implications that are a part of this. I, I think the government's involvement is kind of unavoidable, honestly. Uh, because there, I mean, there are diplomatic considerations. There are national consider, you know, security considerations. Uh, there are just, you know, visa considerations. You know, the the, the government's involvement, I, I think, unfortunately, is just it's it's not it's unavoidable. So what drives uh, me nuts you. is when I hear these people say, "Well, it doesn't cost us that much." The federal government's picking up the tab. You know, getting back to PT John as if as if, as if we I'm didn't on the same page. As, as, as if as if we didn't pay federal taxes to. I'm paying for it. Yeah. Well, either that or our children are paying for it because we're adding it to the $20 trillion debt. And not even our children. We already spent all their money. It's like our, our grandchildren's money, I think, we're spending at this point. Thanks for the call, Steve. Appreciate it. Andrew emails, uh, can we talk about what white people cost us? You know, that, that is such a cop-out. Here's the thing. We talk about what white people cost us all the time, right? We, we're, we're constantly, when we're studying uh, social safety net programs, food stamps, Medicare, Medicaid, welfare, all these programs, we break them down by race, gender, ethnicity. I mean, we, we do that stuff all the time. We do talk about that. We should talk about that. I think it's fair to talk about. Another email from Andrew says, uh, LSS stepped up as part of Bush's faith-based initiative push. That that could be. I'm not sure if that was specifically uh, with Bush. Another emailer, uh, maybe the reason they don't want us to know the true cost is because it would spell the end of liberals fleecing us. You know, I'm not so sure that there's like some conspiracy to hide the cost. I, I, I think I think a lot of it just gets back to polarized politics, right? People who are, are skeptical and, and want to understand the costs of refugee resettlement, I think, are perceived as generally being conservative. Maybe that's unfair. Maybe not all of them are conservative, but I think generally they're seen as being on the right. And the defenders of refugee resettlement uh, are generally seen on, on, on as being on the left. I think that's an oversimplification. Uh, personally, I am for refugee resettlement. I just want to understand the cost. But I, I, I think because it, it becomes a polarized political issue, and then I think the knee-jerk response from both sides is, is to question the other's motives. And, and the left, when the left questions the right's motives, their go-to uh, talking point is accusations of racism, right? Their go-to, uh, you know, when, when they're going to attack somebody, they say, well, you're racist. You are a racist. That's that's where they come from. So, you know, unfortunately, I think that's what's driving a lot of it. They they just, they they have dug into a trench, and they have decided that anybody questioning or anybody wanting to, to get at this information, they've decided that they're racist. That's just their talking point. It's an article of faith now, and there's just no getting around it. Which I got to tell you, makes finding common ground and moving ahead on these issues pretty darn difficult. 
That's it for me today. Congressman Kevin Kramer on the program tomorrow. Tune in for that. You can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at North Dakota's most popular political blog, sayanythingblog.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again. Do it all.